for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Happy Friday, everybody. Today is December 16th, 2022, and today's guest is Troy Pottinger. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 250, and we have Troy Pottendron again. And the reason being is because Troy just laid down a slammer in Washington State, and I got the privilege to be able to podcast with him first. Yes, I was first of the game. I was so happy. I told Troy back in October, November when we were talking, I said, hey, if you kill one, I want first dib. So literally, he text me within I mean hours of him kill after he killed this deer and said hey got him that's all he said was got him I woke up to a text that said got him and I'm like let's go can we podcast today and he said yep let's do it so him and his son his son was actually on this call you know just kind of hanging out with him as well so you'll hear his son in this was really cool because he was on the recovery with him and this is a toad. I mean, we're talking a deer about a deer that's in the 160s and a deer that he's been, you know, chasing for 2 years. And uh it's kind of a different story in the fact of like we jump around a little bit, but there are so many things I want to talk to or talk about about you know how this deer was using the train. I mean, there's feet of snow up there where he's at. He's hunting in the mountains and you know, he really feel like he felt like he had this deer pinpointed on this scrape and he shot him on the scrape coming to this scrape. So really cool story. I can't thank Troy enough for reaching out to me and, and he's, he's done a lot of things for me in the last year and a half and I've got to know him and he's just an, not only an elite hunter, but he's an elite person. Like he just takes pride in his friendships and, 
you know, and just being a super good human. And I, I can't thank him enough on that. A guy that, you know, him and I have never met face to face and we've talked with each other on the phone quite a bit, texting and on the phone and these podcasts with me. I couldn't thank him enough, man. I really, really appreciate and respect him uh, on that side of things, is, you know, as much as this, the deer hunting thing goes. So today's podcast is going to be a banger. Um, before we do get into it, I want to thank everybody out there for all the downloads and all the support. I need you guys to please keep in and going and leaving five star ratings on iTunes and, and Spotify and, and leave a you know five star rating, but also leave a written review. I need that. Those are big in the rankings, and we're moving up, man. I mean, we're in the top thirty on Chartable, uh, basically about every week, which is big. Like that's you know that, that's pretty big. Um, but yeah, I want to get into some partner reads. Uh, Helix Broadheads. You guys have been talking about Helix for a long time now. I've been shooting them since, I don't know, since I shot, what did I shoot? 2021 season and then 2022. I'm five for five with these things. I'm hoping to get out here in the next two weeks, once or twice to try to kill a doe. Uh, I really want to get, you know, another doe or another deer down with them, prototyping one of their new broadheads. So I've shot, you know, two bucks with with it this year, but I want to shoot one more and uh, the meat, you know, could use some meat. So Helix Broadheads, use Fall HX10 at helixbroadheads.com to save some money and go check them out. They are coming out with a new broadhead that is pretty sweet. I have used it so far. I'm two for two with them this year. Hopefully you get some more. Uh, next is Latitude Outdoors. Use the code THEFALLPODCAST, all one word, all lowercase, to save, I think it's 25% on anything, saddles, accessories, anything like that. Go to latitudeoutdoors.com to check that out. Exodus Trail Cams, exodusoutdoorgear.com. Get yourself one of the most dependable, reliable cell cams in the game. The 4G LTE render, the SP18 bundle. You can get the bundle as well, but it's the solar panel. Love these cameras. They are awesome. Great customer service, five-year warranty. Go check them out at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Vector Arrows at vectorcustomshop.com. I've got a code FALL10 for that. Save some money. And lastly is Garmin Bow Sites. Go to Garmin.com to check out their watches and their sites. So with that being said, let's get over this interview with Troy. I greatly appreciated that he came out and did, did this. So um, here's this interview with Troy. All right, we're back for another episode of The Fall Podcast, and one of my favorite all-time guests I have on again today, and we preempted this in a podcast that we did early November that uh, I think in that podcast I said to you, Troy, when you kill this deer, I get dibs on first podcast, so uh, did, am I am I quick enough? Did I get first dibs? <laughs> the deer isn't even caped out yet. <laughs> Dude, Troy Pottinger, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, and thank you for reaching out to me and telling me you killed this slammer because, uh, I mean, what, what did you kill him yesterday as we're recording this, like the day before? Yeah, uh, four o'clock on the dot, pretty much on the nose, 4 p.m. yesterday, yes. So, and I wake up this morning to a text of, look what I did, basically. And I said, are you ready to podcast today? And here we are, <laughs> you yeah. know. Not much longer after we were texting, like on the, I'm like, I'm clearing my schedule. We're doing this. <laughs> I, I think I said two words, got him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, you're like, got him with a picture. And I'm like, you dog. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool. Awesome deer. The, der- the deer deserves the, the accolades. Dude, he's a toad. I don't even, I don't even want to get into size yet until closer to the end, but let's, 
let's get into this a little bit here because I mean, you're, you're up in Idaho, but you actually, this deer was your Washington target, correct? Yeah, I hunt, I live on the, I live really close to the border of Idaho, Washington. So I hunt both states and Washington always closes before Idaho. And this deer was, was uh, killable. So I jumped all over him hard the last couple of weeks. Okay. So let's get into that a little bit. Like you've had pictures of this deer all year, correct? Yeah. And last year. Okay. So you've got lots of history with this deer, but, but why wasn't this deer, I guess, go back to October, November, stuff like that. Like why wasn't he killable then? Was he just nocturnal and, and not doing what you wanted to? No, he was. I was just hunting a bigger deer in Idaho. Oh, that, that that's a good uh, good excuse. <laughs> yeah, and I think you've seen the Idaho deer too, and he's just yeah. a, he's just unreal. This this deer here is awesome. Yep. Awesome white tail buck for the mountains. Yep. The deer in Idaho probably the best buck I've hunted in twenty years. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we w- we're going to save that for another podcast. So we're going to save Sounds that good. deer for. Sounds good. Ho- hopefully, I'll kill him by Christmas because my. Season in Idaho closes the 24th of December. I like that. Like, you know, so we'll just do another podcast next week talking about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, good deal. So now let's, let's get into, I know your son is making a run in the playoffs right now, plays division one football. And, you know, you've been doing that a lot every weekend, just following him and everything. So that's got to play a damper in, in your hunting, but like, I guess let's get into the game plan here. Like what day did he show up or what time did he show up when you were like, shit, I can get after this deer and I need to make a push. Um, a lot of it revolved around what happened with me on the other deer because I'm extremely limited in time. Anybody that knows me personally, my schedule's crazy. I don't have weekends off. I don't miss my son's football games. Work full time. So, so what happened was is about four weeks ago, which should have been about, I know, let's say five weeks ago, really early November, I had to really look things over and take a look at, you know, where do you have the most realistic chance to kill one of your two target bucks, which are my top two bucks, one for Idaho, one for Washington. I wanted to kill one or the other. I did not want to have to uh, kill a backup buck early and I wasn't going to do it. And this buck is just a scrape monster and, I've actually got, I killed this buck. This will be interesting to the listeners because we get to talk about this a lot in a lot of my casts. This is one of those spots that has a traditional scrape cluster. I've hunted it for 10 years and it is incredible. It produces a shooter every other year for sure. Okay. And a shooter, a shooter for me is five year olds and the last buck I killed in there was 162. So there you go <laughs> off the same spot. Um, it's just a really good area for genetics. The scrapes are taught to all the deer on, I would say a three mile circle, at least if you did a big circle on a map, every deer in that area knows where these scrapes are. And I get my closest bucks on the scrapes all through summer, all through the fall, even if, and then when they, when they go chase does, they leave for a while. But this guy grew up on this scrape, so that was key. That was crucial. He he was on it at two and a half last year, or excuse me, two years ago at two and a half, three and a half, and then last year at four and a half. And he was awesome last year, but he broke his rack off. He broke his main beam off. Wow. So we called him, we dubbed him half rack last year. So we call him HR, half rack. Okay. And and 
his genetics at four and a half last year were really good. And we knew he was going to be a stud and we had killed the, or I had killed the 162 in there four or five years ago. And it looks a lot like that genetic somewhat, but also a combination of a couple other deer. I got some really cool history in there, 10 years of genes and genetics and all that to say, he started pounding like working the living hell out of these scrapes in the daylight in late October. Now, so, hang on before you get farther yeah. in that. When you talked about your scrape cluster, anybody out there that doesn't know what you're talking about, can you break that down a little bit? Like, what does this area and these scrapes look like? Yeah, this is a scrape clusters are, it's a term I use. I, I don't know if anybody else uses it, but it's when you, you roll into an area, you're out shed hunting, you're out scouting, you're hiking, and you find what looks like two or three community scrapes that have all the evidence for days that they've been there for years, but it just pops out at you. And instead of just one big hub scrape, they're very close to each other. They're in a tight uh, group of ocean spray. And they the, the deer hit them so hard that instead of just working one big scrape, they work about four big scrapes. And they're all within 15 feet of each other. Okay. 20 feet of each other. I found that years and years ago, shed hunting. And I, Tyson was with me when he was little, my, my football player guy. And then my oldest boys here with me, helped me with his buck all last night and can't wait to get into that. And then today, um, doing all the media with me for whitetail addictions, but back to that scrape cluster, it's just an unbelievable pull for the mountain bucks to go check them because there's multiple does that check it more than one it's it's like having three or four community scrapes in in a 15 foot area they're all within the scrapes themselves are all within eight to ten feet of each other in about a 15 to 20 foot circle if if you can picture that okay yep and back in the day when i found it tyson was with me shed on and i said we will kill that's what i told him i looked him over i said son do you realize what we just found and he's like yeah dad these are unreal because we found them in the spring and they were just blown i mean they weren't blown up but they they had tracks in them big for you big just, for the spring the spring you're saying for for springtime they had tracks all over in the mud still where mm -hmm. the scrape was yep so we find these the the terrain features in this spot are incredible it's multiple ridges that feed down into this kind of a very faint small i would say a partial bench and then everything breaks off topography wise way different than this spot. So I get a lot of deer that travel up deer that travel down to deer at this spot, travel North, South, East and West to the spot, every direction. And it's far enough and deep enough into the timber that they really daylight in there over and over and over daily. It's just a really wicked spot. That's, you know, you only find a couple, I've only found two or three of those in my lifetime. So let me, let me ask you this, the way I'm picturing this is like, you've got ridges probably around you and bottoms and everything. Is this kind of down from the, the top of the ridge, but it's just like a little bench that might not even show up on like a map or aerial. Yeah. You won't see it on an aerial, but it's one you got to find on your feet. And it's exactly what you're saying. Real steep above it. Like it gets serious steep right beyond it. If when I shot that deer, I shot him at 35, 36 yards. And as soon as I hit him, he ran straight uphill. He was, 
he had literally just moved his way down to where it starts to have some uh, level ground. And it's not real level, but it's a lot better than what he ran up when he when he expired. Okay. And because the reason why I ask is I hunted Ohio last year and I killed this 170 on a bench like this. And in yep. what was more apparent was like, this summer I did a, a video on my YouTube, just like kind of recapping that hunt. And I went, when I was, when I went back on, on X and I was looking at it on a, before I did the video, I'm like, man, like there's a bench right here, but it's not showing up. Like, this is the first time I've ever heard of this. Like, I was like, man, I know I was sitting in a tree right here, but there's no like topography, topography change in like the topo lines or anything like that. I'm like, there's a bench right there. I was there. Like, I know I'm in the right spot. It made me second guess my thing myself. Like maybe I was off a little bit. I was right on it. And then I started talking to guys like yourself and like people are talking about these secondary ridges or these little benches, these little footprint deals or thumbprints that like you cannot see them on a map. You have to get boots on the ground to find them. And I will tell you, Troy, when I found this one, there was like eight or nine scrapes in 30 yards all opened. I, I saw your video. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. that's exactly what. And now it doesn't yep. sound like it was as steep as your country, but I'm talking there's ridges all around me. Yep. You know, and I wasn't on the very top. I was down on that, like, yep. that second, like the three quarter line basically going down. Yeah. I find a. I find these terrain features a lot that produce well at about the three quarter line down to the halfway line. As okay. far as if you're going all the way down to the open timber, all the way down to fields in the bottom or, you know, halfway up in or three quarters of the way in is usually where I end up when I get on one of these spots. Okay. Yep. Not to say that's the rule. That's just been my experience. Well, man, you're the second guy that I've heard talk about these little topography features that is like big buck killing guys that vouch for these things and i got to experience it once without even knowing i was experiencing it and it's eye-opening it's it's unbelievable that it, it just it's almost like there's a deer a buck penned in a 30 by 30 area and just scrapes all day there you know what i mean like it was just so much sign right there and i'm like why is it right here and the deer can come the one that i was hunting can come from just about every direction you know, they, yeah. they, yep. they come up from the bottoms and they check this little hub, this little, yep. this little, you know, phone booth hub or whatever. And then they disperse from there. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's driven by terrain and wind. It's mm -hmm. not just terrain. It's the wind and you gotta, it's driven by cover. It's got all the keys that you need. And when you find these, if you can infiltrate it and set up on it and not spoil it, with your invasion, then it becomes extremely productive um, year after year. And I was very selective in the days I hunted this deer. I was, I, I had to be surgical because I didn't have a choice. I didn't have a lot of days. Right. Yep. Um, and I got lucky. I got fortunate. You know, we've talked about this before. Um, I was able to put a cell camera in there and not over, over hunted on the wrong time at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. Now, did a cell cam get me that deer? Heck no. What it helped me do is save me about $3,000 in fuel on wasted days or days that I don't have off. There you go. Yep. Like seriously, because this isn't close to my house. Yeah. And I think that right there is one of those, you know, one of the many reasons why I agree with cell cams. 
you know, and I don't want to go down that road right now just because that could I be don't a whole other podcast. I hear all the whiners. Yeah, yeah I so I, I totally get what you're saying. So let's yeah. moving forward on this. You know, let's let's get into that part. Like you know, you kind of broke down the area there. You know, you guys have a lot of snow right now. How long have you had snow? If you go on my Facebook right now, I posted a video of that buck I killed. And it says half rack up close. And he's walking right under my licking branch right now. I put it on today. Okay. And in that video, it's dated back quite a ways, but we've had a, gosh, Jess, how long have we had a lot of snow? Three, four weeks? Three. Three. Sure. Yeah. Three to four weeks. We've had a foot or more snow easily as soon as you get up in elevation at all. Man. Yeah. Month we've had a month of snow over a foot at any elevation over 3000 feet where I'm hunting. So when that snow comes in and with feet of snow, we're talking feet, we're not talking skiffs here. Like what is that doing with the deer or what are the deer doing with that? These mountain deer don't even, it doesn't even phase them. I swear they like it up until it hits about 18 to 24 inches. And then if it's that deep everywhere then they'll move down but if it's only that deep in the hollows and the draws and the north then it's not a big deal to them okay they'll cut right they'll they'll cut trails right through it what what really moves our deer is 18 inches to 24 inches that's just that's the shallowest snow anywhere wow so you know you know being in that area and scouting that and year over you know, winners that you've hunted and everything, like, you know, that magic line, you know what I mean? The mm-hmm. 18 to 24 inch. So like, you know, knowing that, did you think, yeah, I guess coming in the forecast, did you have more snow coming? Did you, were you getting more worried about like, well, shit, if I get in that a foot and a half, two foot of snow range, this, this thing's going to change. Like, were you worried about that at all? I was, I felt like with the, at the elevation where this deer was, that I was going to be in the game. And the 15th is the closer tomorrow, right? Is tomorrow the 15th? Uh, to, yes. Yeah. Today, we're, we're recording on the 14th. So tomorrow's the 15th. Right. Yeah. So I had to get him killed by tomorrow. And I took all these days off because okay. I knew I, I knew I had to get it done. Um, if this season were to run till Christmas, yeah, I'd worry about it. But I looked at the forecast. I look, I always look at the month long forecast. They're not always perfect, but a lot of times they're close. Mm-hmm. I thought I was in the game with this deer as long as I did all my work and my work was literally busting ass to keep my trails open. I'm hiking in a half a mile to him. I'm parking on a road that really, unless you're set up with the right truck or Jeep, you're not going to get in there anyway to hunt. So for me, I'll just be frank. It was nice because I'm set up to get into places that a lot of guys have to turn around. Sure. Yep. So, so I kept my trails pounded with my truck and with my feet. Well, and that, that's another thing that you, you deal with and not a lot of other guys deal with is like, let's, let's be honest. I mean, a high majority of hunters right now are cashed out. They're not hunting anymore. So you're still grinding. You're still going, you know what I mean? And for you just to make trips, just to keep the damn trail open, is <laughs> that's another one of those things you got to do just to make sure you can get on these deer. Yeah, and it's 3.30 in the morning for my house to do it right, to get in the stand right. So it's 3.30. I mean, let's be real. 3.30's freaking early. But but I was leaving the house by 4.30 every time to do it right. And I screwed up one day. And after one of my son's games, drove all the way back home. And 
my son means more to me than a buck any day. But I screwed up one time on this deer, and I even I told Tyson I've made one mistake, and I'm not making another. I uh, slept in on a Sunday morning, and on my way out there, he was walking right by my stand on myself. Mm. Mm. So I literally, so so for me, it's different than maybe some people. I I had to wait in my pickup because in my mind, this is my decision. Nobody has to agree with me, but I know these deer, these mountain deers, I think as good as anyone, um, just from living with them so many years of doing this, I purposely sat down in my truck and waited for him to leave and go bed for 25 minutes instead of trying to sneak in and get a shot at him. Because if I would have screwed that up, Aaron, this deer doesn't daylight there again for the next week. Oh, for sure. So I played that. I screwed up one time. And then after that, I was like, you're not effing up again. You're going to freaking hate yourself if you don't get a shot at this deer. And I didn't want to let my boys down either because I'm always pushing them to bust their ass. And if I'm going to push them to bust their ass all the time and be, be better than other people or work hard, not better. That's the wrong word. Work harder than others. Then I got to do it too. So I just, you know, I, I corrected myself and I knew I'd made a mistake I asked the good Lord to give me one more shot at this deer and that it wouldn't be my fault if I didn't meaning if I was going to put in the effort. And then from there forward, man, I was on it. Like I have been rolling, uh, not much sleep, um, going to bed at five 30 at night. Uh, so I can get up at three 30 and yeah. feel good because yep. you know how it is. You go set all day in 20 degree weather. Just try it on with, with getting snowed on and you set all day to get one crack at a buck. And the last thing I want to do is go in there and sit, come out, go back in, sit, come out, go back in. You start doing that crap. He picks up on you. Troy, I, I just went through this in Saskatchewan, November 5th through the 11th. I was in Saskatchewan filming my boss and yep. we sat 55 hours for one deer. Okay. And it was, it never got above 10 degrees Fahrenheit and it never, and it got as low as negative, uh, 16. I'm sorry. A low as a low of, of negative six, never got above 16 degrees is what it was. That's that's tough. Well, and, and I got to bust your balls though. Were you in a blind or not? We were in a pop-up blind with a heater. And guess I'm what I'm in. Uh, guess, exactly. what I'm in. guess what I'm in, old boy. <laughs> a tree stand. I'm 30. Hey. I'm 30 feet up in a tree stand and 20 mile an hour wind swaying. Well, that's what I'm saying. And what I'm getting at is like <laughs> sitting in a, even a pop-up blind with a heater. I was still yeah. cold. Like, and oh. I've got some really good gear, you know what I mean? And I'm like, God, yeah. I just want to get out of the cold for a hot second. You know, Aaron, I'm with you. I, I swear to God, I might, my brother says, if, if, if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough sometimes. Yep. And I swear to God, sometimes I'm sitting there going, you are, you are one either dumb or tough mf -er or both. Yeah. <laughs> because it's so cold. When I called Jess last night when I shot this deer, I got a hold of my oldest boy first. He lives not terribly far from the deer, so I got a hold of him. And he goes, I said, I'm shaking. I'm freaking freezing, but I just shot him, and I think I hit him good. And Jess goes, Dad, you're shaking from adrenaline. I said, no, I'm cold as shit. <laughs> That's funny. I got a question for you around it. What boots are you wearing? I've got it because I'm selfishly, hey, I got to get new boots for next year. <laughs> huge, huge shout out for the Idaho company. I hope Jim Hoffman hears this. I wear the Hoffman Idaho made pack boots with the air bob soles 
double insulated, best boots on the market, two pairs of socks down to zero degrees. I went away from three pairs of socks because they're a little tight. So if you want to wear three pairs of socks, buy a size bigger. I wear two pairs of socks. I wear the heated little cheapies you buy at Walmart, the little insoles. Yep. And I put those boots on. My feet are freaking money the whole day. Okay. Hoffman boots. Hoffman double, boots. I'm... Double insulated packs. People will go, oh, they got leather on them. Troy, you can't use them. BS. I spray them down. I scrub them with, uh, I scrub them with a little bit of uh, baking soda is all I ever scrub them with. But I just spray them down with Vanishing Hunter, and I've never had, I've never had deer walk in and check my tracks mm. if I spray them with Vanishing Hunter. Troy, I've I've worn leather lace ups for the last. I don't know, 2000, since 2018. And, um, killed a I, lot of big gear. I, do, my, you look at my wall and I don't, I don't yeah. spray down once. I've never, yeah. I like, I've stopped spraying down five, six years ago. And I'm like, you just, you just got to be smarter than them or try to be, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, well, in the truth, and the reason I bring up the Vanishing Hunters, I've used it so long, it just, I won't go away from it. Sure. Yep. Because it saves my, I mean, it's the only stuff I can spray on cat litter and you can't smell it. Okay. So when you can test something that does that right in front of you, it's like, holy shit, at least try it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I will say I am the, uh, I'm a, uh, earth dirt wafer guy. <laughs> I don't wear them on my hat or my, myself, but I, what I do is I put them in all my tubs. So when you pull out my, my camel out of my tub or something, it just smells like dirt. Like that's, yeah. that's all I do really. Yeah. Well, like Jess was just saying to me, he goes, dad, you had, your buck tracks and deer tracks all over in your tracks. And they literally use my trails that I make for them. Oh, I'm sure. Cause it makes it a lot easier. I'm sure. Yeah. They walk right up and down them. This big buck that I killed, he had the biggest foot by far of any of the deer in there. And he was, I was a little concerned one of the nights, probably three weeks ago, he walked all the way down my trail to where my pickup parked. Oh, really? And I thought, is that son of a bitch tracking me and, and wondering where I'm parking? So what I did, and I talked to Tyson, my other boys, guy goes, dad, are you parking back further now? And I said, yeah, I started packing, parking back further because for um, two reasons for sound and just to mix it up on him. I got you. So you're just trying to hoping you're, you're thinking, you know, you're crossing all your T's and dotting your I's. You're thinking like, I gotta, I gotta act like he's doing this. Like I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He might not have gave a shit at all, but when I saw those tracks all the way down to my pickup, I'm at least going to do something just in case. Cause this is, like I said, you, I've sent you a picture of the buck. This buck's a tremendous mountain buck. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta tell yourself that he is doing all that. So you just keep yeah. you honest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want everybody in the world to say, well, that's stupid. Well, actually it's not stupid because I like, I wanted to kill this deer mm-hmm. and that was his track. And he was the only damn deer that did that to me. Yep. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. 
And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, okay, let's get into the hunting part here. So you're, you're busting a trail. You're trying to keep this place open so you can just at least hunt it. Now, are when you're going into this, I'm sure you probably have a good idea. Like maybe he's only on one camera. Was he only on one camera or was he showing up in multiple spots? This is the only spot I will hunt in this area because of what those scrapes do. Okay. Around. Okay. I, this is one of those spots, Aaron, where maybe different than other spots. It is such a great daylight location. Why would I want to maybe make my deer move differently if I hunt? say half a mile from him or a quarter mile from him. Right. No, that makes sense. So, so that's my philosophy is why screw up a great thing? No, that, that makes sense. That was kind of getting to my, my next question yep. is like, you know, you're going to take off. How many days did you say you're going to take off to, to, to dedicate to this deer? Well, I ended up taking off just my last three and was able to hunt him after what I was doing was, getting out of work in time to hunt him for two hours in the evenings and that's it. Okay. And that's props to my wife. We teach together and she was seventh period prep covering my last prep for me so I could go Mm -hmm. and, and just helping me that way, just totally support me or I wouldn't even, uh, been able to get on him and let, uh, might've been 10 days ago or eight days ago. I'd have to look at the calendar, but Thursday of a little over a week ago, whatever Thursday was, I had him at 54 yards and let him walk. He was dogging a doe. I'm not going to sling an arrow that far. You know, I hit him 35. Perfect. But man, I don't want to shoot more than 35. It's the farthest. That's that ties me for my farthest, furthest bow shot on a whitetail buck in the mountains of my life was this deer today or yesterday. Really? Yeah. I really like him close at 54. Oh, he looked great out there in the open. I filmed it all. He was dogging a doe. Uh, The doe caught my wind. She didn't blow, but she took off and he followed her. I didn't even try to monkey with him because it just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, that and then makes I knew sense. If I, I knew if I just kept on him that he was going to probably screw up on me before December 15th. Okay. So when you're going into these, these days that you're hunting, like I said, you, you're like you said, you're hunting the evenings, but you were going to transition over to all day sets, right? I mean, this week you were just going to put some all days in on him. Yeah, because this deer, and again, this is this is intel that matters. The reason I was going to all day him, even though the rut's pretty much over, this deer is the most unpatternable, random daylight mover I've hunted in a while. So <laughs> I was I was telling Jess and Ty, my boys, the other day, I said, this damn deer has never come by the camera at the same time twice. Yeah, that's crazy. Did, could you get anything on him, like, like a wind direction that he'd be coming well, in from? Yeah, and that's a good question. What I mean is daylight time. At night, you know, he'd pop through kind of kind of on a pattern, but daylight time, he was so freaking random. I don't know if that's coincidence or if he's just that careful. Um, I think it's wind, 100%. Now, yesterday I was able to kill him on a crosswind for him that was really damn good for me and i needed it because the wind had been kicking my ass in there a little bit and it was moving on me a little bit and 
I know I was running out of time. So I'm like, well, I'm, a lot of the days, Aaron, I was 50% wind at best chance. Really? 50%. Yeah. So you're I taking some chances. In. Yeah. I'm really, really freaking clean. I hunt, I hunt this tree stand. You'll laugh is nine steps high, nine steps. <laughs> and it's because I'm on the lower side of that little flat. And when you're on the lower side of it, you got to get up in the mountains. Right. If you're on the high side, I'd only need four sticks. Mm -hmm. So I was, I'm nine sticks up. It literally is a freaking workout climbing up into the stand. <laughs> Cause I got all my sickest shit on, you know, I'm hot <laughs> as hell. And I'm literally unzipped and I get up and, and the hike in is, is all uphill. I mean, my son's sitting right here. It was, it's straight uphill all the yeah, way in there. It's steep. It's steep. <laughs> we, had to control, we had to control slide the deer down in the sled. It's so steep. You had to <laughs> hold it back. It's, it's, it's went tobogganing down the face. If my producer for Whitetail Addictions will put that good footage on, Jess filmed everything in the recovery yesterday. Jess filmed everything for me today. The recovery's cool because we put him on a sled and we, it just shows how steep it is in there because I had to get off to the edge of the sled or it was going to knock me the hell over. And I had to hold it back like a horse. You guys the should sled. both have just jumped on and just rode her Clark Griswold right down the old mountain. Well, we could have, <laughs> but we would have hit a tree. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'd look like real, two real, and Jess is hilarious. He's like, he's like, you know, dad, just hey, take, take it easy there, old man. Don't get too out of, you know. <laughs> Don't get too hurt. Don't get hurt in there. Got to give the but old anyway. man some shit. I get it. Oh, he's, yeah. And my sons are just studs. I mean, Jess is 6'3", you know, way bigger than me. So he just does all the heavy lifting for me now and does all the work. And I'm telling you, I, I love it. I am spoiled by my boys. That's awesome. Like, uh, he did all the heavy lifting all night. Everything. <laughs> so he's probably the one that should be, you should be waiting on him hand and foot today. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> hey, what else? He's super artistic in the media he did for me and the pictures he took. I'll send you some nice pictures that he took. They're unbelievable. Good. Good deal. And the meat and the media he did for me, the video he shot for me last night and today is what? Two, three hours worth? Two hours worth? Yeah, we got a bunch. We got a bunch of B-roll. Yeah. Man, Probably I can't wait to see it now. Now I'm going to have to wait another year to see it, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 It, well, I struck out last year. And I missed that damn big buck and it really bothered me. And it felt good to not, it's not an easy shot. I was sitting down 35 yards um, and put it right in there. Mm -hmm. You yep. know, that's, that made me happy because you don't ever want to feel like you're losing it. Right. Yeah. And I totally get that. And, um, you know, just, just in how cold you said it was or is, and you know, all the factors going against you. Cause you know, your layering system and your clothing plays a lot into this too, because you got to get your damn bow back, you know, and be able and still be warm. You know, I, I got, I had six deer around me total. There was four bucks counting the big one coming down and two does and they were all moving down through right through me. And I think my bow was on my knee and you know what this is like oh, really cold holding your bow i have a 13 minute video and a 14 minute video straight without moving my moving without moving Jeez. all i did is reached up with my finger and paused it one time so it's probably like 25 minutes 30 minutes where i literally oh it was dead silent in there yesterday in the evening in the afternoon dead silent yeah that makes it and tough. Of course, and of course, the big buck working his way down always sends his sentinels out in front of him to make sure it's safe. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. 
they're smart for a reason. <laughs> yeah. On the, on the film, you see him come down and he, he pushes a little buck out of the trail and then checks on a doe. And then right after that, he's, he steps enough sideways for me. I shoot him and all he's doing is walking down a trail and there's deer that just scatter when he comes out of the timber. Wow. So yeah, he rolled the roost in there then for sure. hundred percent back to what I said. He owned that scrape. Mm-hmm. That's why I thought I would kill him and talking to my boys about him a ton. Like Ty just kept telling me, dad, you're going to kill him. You, you just get, you just be there. You're yep. going to end up killing him because, because he would hit that scrape daylight and, and just over market and check it every time other bucks showed up heavy. Or if I hit it with my mix, he would show up always within 24 hours to check it. How much were you refreshing your scrape with, with your mix? Every time, every time I left, every time you left, you would re- refresh it. What was that, Jess? I was saying, so how many days, like between each day? I bet. Well, I didn't get a hunt a ton in there. I think I hunted. I'm guessing six visits, maybe seven, before I killed him. Okay. And those aren't those weren't all full days. They a lot of them were two hour hunts. Now. With with that, how far did you think he was betting from you? I mean, he he obviously you didn't, he probably wasn't betting that far then. I think he, I think his bed isn't the same bed, but I think he was betting in an area up above me and in a little better favorable wind area for him. I think he was always within a quarter mile of me, four hundred yards, and I think a lot of days he was two hundred, two fifty, from my stand. So with- when Aaron, when he was around. Right. Remember early on, he was out. He, I mean, this dude is on the ladies, dude. Like he bred both of the does that come by my stand regularly. He tended to them big time and bred them both. Okay. And this dude was a three day guy, breed a doe for about three days, then off to the next one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Every since late October. And and, so it, he, and it makes it tough would, at that time because you yeah. got to catch him in that two to three day window where he, or, you know, that 36 hour window where he's going to try to find another doe or something, right. you know. And, and that's when I saw him at 54 yards, a doe tugged him across in front of me on a different route that he would never take if he wouldn't have been with her. Hmm. The way he came into me yesterday was right down through the thick stuff and then popped out. But when he was chasing doe, he broadsided all the way across me. He was lucky he wasn't you know, 20 or 30 broadside. And it was just the doe that led him across. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. So you're, you're refreshing your scrape after every hunt, then you're going down to it and spraying it right on the, the licking branch and everything. Every time I have, uh, I did some nice pictures for buck fever and I carry my stuff in their little bottles and I was licking branch and urine every time and digging up to a foot of snow out of the sucker a couple times. Okay. That was my next question. It's like, are you digging snow and, and everything and refreshing it out that way? When you dig that snow out and make it big and show dirt on top of the snow, I am not joking. Those deer are like, what in the hell? Wow. They do it. They check it because they're like, they see it and then it smells right. And, and they go check it. And I have multiple videos of this buck that or private and I haven't released yet. Now I can because I'm I've got him. He's dead. He's gonna be on the wall. Um he would go in and paw. This is no joke. One evening after a hunt, I text Tyson and sent him a picture. I said, This sucker just dug this thing out four inches deep in the dirt. 
That's how aggressive he was at that scrape. That's wild. Yeah, he was really ultra aggressive at this scrape and owned the scrape to where I really felt like he was in trouble. As long as I got some help with the wind. Right. Yep. You know, and, and I got it park right and not make any noise and not freaking, you know, get lazy in the tree stand. When you're sitting all three, like 10 hours yesterday and I shoot him with a, I shot him at exactly four o'clock or within a minute or four o'clock. And I think it gets dark out here at four 30. Hmm. How many deer so, did you see all day yesterday? It was crazy. I saw one deer all day and then the floodgate opened in the evening because we got a storm system coming and about usually about eight to 10 hours before we get snow, my deer just go nuts and move. So all these deer got up and were on the move yesterday down through and past me. And the thing is they've got destination food a mile past me way down on the bottoms. So with that being, how far is that from you? I guess the destination a food a mile. Okay. You said a mile. Yep. So I'll say it's a good mile to get to the actual food sources past me. Okay. Now, yeah. and they're going to be leaving bedding early then, you know, so yeah. you're, you're, you're technically right on top Aaron, of their bed. Aaron, I'm right in their damn beds. Yep. I'm just literally splitting hair surgically. Like you can't believe when it comes to my wind, how I get into this spot, why the, that's the reason why those scrapes are there and why they daylight them so much. All the deer can check these scrapes and then spend another half an hour to 45 minutes taking it easy, being careful going down to where there's destination food, maybe a field edge off the timber, they can wait till well after dark. And that's just how this country works in that area. Mm -hmm. With, with you running cameras in there and refreshing that scrape after every time you're in there, was he ever there during the day, like one day, like numerous times in daylight? He was in there two days before I killed him three times in the daylight. Hmm. Like what times of day were that? He came in at 9.30, 11.30, and 4 o'clock, two days before I killed him. So do you think in that time frame he was like possibly in between does? Like he's I think a couple days before that I told Tyson, I said, he's done. Meaning, I think he's done with does. I think he's ready to stay close to home instead of leaving us for three or four days. And he beds in there that like, that's his bedroom right above me. It's his bedroom his whole life. Mm -hmm. So what I started noticing was is, yeah, he, I felt like one reason nobody else is in there, but me. So there's no pressure close to him. I truly feel like he thought the season was over the hunting pressure. So he's just so then he, back so on his normal being, pattern. He started being normal again in the daylight a little bit. Now that was only one day, Aaron. Only one day. Did he do it three times the whole year? So take that with a grain of salt, but it was two days before I killed him. Yep. Okay. So after you got, you know, he showed up three days in the daylight. I mean, you got to be thinking his days are numbered. Like I, I'm I getting felt in there. like I, he was acting demeanor wise on the video cam because I video the scrapes. He was acting way more nonchalant than he ever had, which is still, he's still kind of a crackhead, but. He was showing me that he thought hunting season was over, in my opinion. Okay. Well, and and also, you know, him showing up that many times 
for me, if I'm thinking this, in one day, showing up three times, it's like, shit, I do have to hunt them all day because there's no pattern on him. Like, yeah. he, he just, you just got to ride the hole and just, you know, he's going to show, hopefully. So you went back, I went back through a month worth, a month and a half worth of all my pictures of him. I have them all saved on daylight. That's when I could not believe that he never daylighted at the same time ever during the daylight. It was always a random, it was a 8.30, it was a 9.30, it was a, you know, 11.55, it was a 1.26, it was a 2.39, it was a 4.05. I mean, that's just really random when he did daylight. Mm -hmm. So yes, no doubt, get your ass in there, sit there all day, tough it out. He's going to show sooner or later and he's hungry. He's got to go down and eat. Yep. So were you, did you ever think you were catching him, you know, those times you're getting him in the morning, do you think you were catching him going back to bed or was he just kind of wandering through? That dude goes, uh, he was doing lateral lines all through the rut. Lateral, meaning elevation wise lateral. Yeah. And you didn't think he was coming out of the bottom, coming right from destination food. You could never put that pattern on him. No, he was just coming through and checking. He was checking for doe scent at my spot and then boogie it on. Okay. Yeah, because my my spot gets a lot of doe travel at times. And and here's another thing: I don't spook my damn does. If you start spooking your does, the game's over. Oh yeah, it's it's your goal is this buck, but you have to look at everything. You have to look at these does. Like that, those does are just as important as that buck in my eyes. Sun, yes. Sunday, I hunted all day. Did not see anything but but shrimp bucks. But guess what? I watched stand up out of their bed and move on me in the middle of the day three times. Different doe groups. I couldn't believe that I got in. Did not spook any of those females. And I watched them get up out of their beds and browse because on Sunday we had a warm up, and all the snow fell off of the brush. And all the deer wanted to do was browse. And all they did is browsed around me out in the timber. Some of the spots, because the snow had all fell off the trees, I could see 50, 60 yards, 70 yards away, just barely. And they were all does and their their young ones. And they were just browsing because they finally got a crack at some fresh browse and it was 38 degrees. Hmm. It wasn't frozen. Yep. Yeah, just as much as those cold fronts are key, Man, those warm warm ups, I I, re- I put a lot of merit into those. Yeah, if that would have been two weeks prior in the rut, I'd have had freaking bucks all over in there that day. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. Um, I love in this country. My best big buck movement is always prior to a snowstorm. Always. Does, do you have a time frame in there? Like, if it's twenty four hours easy before, sometimes thirty six, but twenty four hours before a snowstorm is killer. Okay. Suppre- like Jess, Jess is the expert bass fisherman. He says the same thing with his bass. Yeah. Yep. Any type of wildlife movement seems to pick up around here when the when the barometer's dropping, pressure's falling. Okay. Yep. That that makes pretty total sense to though. The, pretty neat to see the the relation too between the whitetail and the bass. I always joke about it when we're talking because I don't I don't hunt as much and don't understand it as much as as these guys do, but. I can relate a lot of things to to bass fishing funny enough and just goes to show how a lot of the animals do act the same to the weather. Yeah, that is wild. Troy, are you seeing, when you see that, is there? Hey, Aaron. Yeah. Jess kills a buck every year. (laughs) (laughs) He is the most humble. He's the most humble guy in the world. And it usually, honestly, I think Tyson's listening to this podcast right now on the 
phone. Honestly, Jess hunts one to three days a year and kills a buck. You just got him dialed, man. You guys are killers. He's actually, the, he's actually very humble. He gets it. He he never misses a word I've ever said or I does with these bucks. He applies all that same science biology to bass. Yep. Well, it sounds so, like. Sorry uh, for interrupting. Ask, ask, ask that question again. Sorry. No, you're good. I can't even remember. Oh, I was getting that. <laughs> when you get that those fronts come in, you know, and this might be related to the bass as well. It'd be interesting to see if there's a parallel to it. But when you get those fronts coming and you got 24 hours, are you seeing more of that activity like early in the morning in daylight, midday, or in that evening time frame? Like, have you broke it down that micro to where, you know, you can kind of pinpoint a time of day where it's like, okay, I can see this year in and year out. These bucks are moving more midday, 24 hours in that time frame, you know, before a snowstorm. Do you, do you pinpoint that at all? Yeah. I, I feel like bucks will tend to move morning, evening, just naturally yep. based on their, based on their gut, you know, they have to eat, they, and, the, and then rut and all of it. But what I see really pick up and what I like Aaron is the midday stuff then. Yes. Yep. That, but, and, but, but, but I get a ton of movement day and night to, or evening, morning too. Sure. It, you know, that normal movement time, like you said, but I agree with you, like that midday, it, it's almost like humans in a, in a fact of like, maybe they're just feeling a little lethargic and it's like, ah, you know, you're sitting at your desk, maybe you're doing something like I got to stretch, you know what I mean? You get up and usually it's like, you know, it might sound stupid, but it's, it's, it is, there is a thing there. It's like that midday, like get up, stretch, move a little bit, and then, you know, maybe bed back down or maybe move a little bit. Maybe I need some food. I mean, deer need to eat five or six times a day. Like yeah. that, their body tells them they have to do that. Every four hours. Yes. So like, you know, there it is. I watch that close. Yes. And I like to relate it to when I know a snowstorm's coming as a human, I got to get my frick in firewood ready my snow my, i got to get my shit together i got to get my driveway ready i got to get my dozer ready i got to go out and make sure the wife has plenty of firewood to put on the stove because she loves her wood heat because it's extra warm i bust my ass before storms come in because i know there's a lot more to get ready for so that i'm not paying for it during the storm mm-hmm. i think biologically animals know that they have to get stuff done especially uh, life-related stuff, eat, feed, just just do what they got to do before it hits because they hunker down just like we do as humans when the shit hits the fan. 100%. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, think about like if you got to, you know, if you got to eat every four hours, you know, these deer might be eating extra long in one time period to knowing they're getting ready, quote-unquote ready for that storm they need to, you know, they, they might know that they're not going to be able to eat during that storm. It's going to be a brutal one. They, they know that they can sense that shit, you know? Yeah. That's built into their, their involuntary network in their brain. It's built in. Yep. Yeah. They get, they get in, they just get up, they get out of their beds, they go do things, they move, they, they feed like crazy, you know, and we don't talk about it enough, but they got to go get a ton of water too, to stay oh, hydrated. Yeah. Yep, they got to find water. Hopefully, you you know, it's being so cold up there where you're at. Yep. There might not be any open water anywhere, maybe unless there's a spring or something. Yep, and they're breaking through the ice in the in the drink area in the draws. That's what they do. They stomp through the ice and drink the water in the creeks. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Your deer go through more than a lot of people that I've talked to. I mean, you're you're kind of that one percenter in the fact of like the, all the guys that I talk to aren't guys like you in hunting the deer that you're hunting. It's it's crazy. 
Well, like Jess last last night, we get into the hunt and I, the kill, but I uh, Jess came out to help me recover him, and Jess was like, "Dad, I'm bringing the AR. There, there's mountain lions in the in the woods at night. Where I'm packing my AR on my back for mountain lions." Seen wolves. wolves right there. Yeah, yep. A few, miles the a few miles down the road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're just, you know, always like, we're like the deer too. They like to get stuff done when they feel safest. And then they hunker yep. when they feel pre- pressure of any type, weather pressure, hunting pressure, predator pressure. They, they're pretty freaking amazing how dialed they are. It is. It is wild. And as hunters and as hunters, we play, we got to play off of that. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. So let's get into kill day here. So take me through the kill day and let's get into some, some details here. Like you get in in the morning and you know, it's going to be a long day, but I mean, let's take me through the, the kill day. Uh, 3.30 in the morning, knew I had to leave my house by 4.30 to be parked by almost six, gets light, shootable light, seven o'clock, wanted to walk in in gray light. So I was in my stand at 6.30, 6, 6.15 to 6.30. Um, the buck had shown me so much random daylight visits and again, not a ton of them, but every one of the damn things was a different time. So I thought you got to be there. What's the best time to get in your stand? Well, don't walk in. If, don't walk in where deer can see you. Cause you, I'm, I'm hunting really close to beds. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I thought, I thought that er, first of the early part of gray light where you can just barely see, I literally needed my headlamp until the last 300 yards. Wow. And then I was able to just, and I see good at night because I walk in the dark all the time. Um, and then I turned it off because I didn't want him to see a light if he was bedded, say, 150 yards above me. I didn't want him to be able to see a light down in the timber, you know, because yep. I knew he was, or I had a 95% assurance that he was bedded above me because of the way the wind works in there, where he always, his tracks, I've been backtracking him all year too, by the way. I have been backtracking that sucker when I have a chance. So I know where he's coming from and where mm-hmm. he's bed. And his track is the biggest track in there. So anyway, get in there, get in the stand, uh, had the luxury of watching my cell cam and knowing that he wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, Cause it, stand, or in those too. Like, right. Yeah, you talked about the does. Yeah. It, it was crazy. The deer the day before, for whatever reason, were super, super busy during the daylight the day before. And they literally shut everything down at four o'clock in the morning on my cams. So I was like, thank you, God, for whatever reason, they're shutting her down. There's a snowstorm coming at three o'clock in the morning on this, on today. We'll get to all that. There was a snowstorm this morning at three or four in the morning. Sorry. Um, So I had all that in my mind and I was a little surprised but they shut down big time at 4 a.m. the other day when I shot him, uh, which is yesterday, not today. Um, and I got in the stand. I felt really good. I was like, yes, I got in here and I did not bug a deer anywhere. And then I get in the stand and I've got this beautiful southwest wind that I needed to at least make it a 75 percent good wind day. So I'm getting the southwest wind. I'm getting the downhill thermal all morning. I see one freaking deer all day. That's rough, man. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, I'm thinking in my mind, they're going to get their ass up because there is, so then it gets closer to four o'clock. And our last shooting light is what, 4.30 roughly. 
Yeah. Legal shooting lights like 4.30, it's 30 minutes after sunset. We could look it up. But anyway, I knew I had to like 4.30 to get a shot at this deer. And yeah, it gets dark really early out here in Pacific North or Pacific time sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It sucks for getting off work and trying to hunt. Anyway, I'll throw that in there random, but yeah, drives me nuts. So anyway, I'm thinking it's about one or two o'clock and I'm thinking, okay, maybe he's going to make that one o'clock, two o'clock visit today. Come by nothing, nothing dead as heck. So I'm texting a couple of my buddies that hunt. I go, you got anything moving? Nope, nothing. Everything's dead. Right. I go, okay. So then I'm thinking I text time. I might've texted Jess. I said, yeah, you didn't see much. I, I texted Jess was like anything moving dad. And I'm like, shit, no, but, but here's what I'm thinking. Stuff's about to go nuts an hour before dark because a snowstorm's coming at four in the morning. Mm-hmm. And that barometric pressure is changing because that snowstorm's coming. Yep. And it was like a floodgate at 3.30. Light switch. Every damn deer, I swear, on the mountain got up and started moving at 3.30. And, then I, and I had that wind pushing right. And I was just like, yes. And I was looking for today's wind going, man, I got a north wind tomorrow. That's the best for that stand. Yeah. This stand, this stand I'm sitting at works good on a southwest, works good on a north. Hard to explain. But it's where the wind drip dives off into two draws on me below me on both sides. So I needed one of those two winds, and I had the southwest. 3.30, a couple of those roll by up above me, and they just go walk in. And then getting closer to 4.00. Here comes three young bucks that are literally just looking like they're lost. <laughs> and they're just chumming along. The rut is over. I don't even know if I've had these bucks on camera. Really? And they come, yeah. And they come, but here's the deal. Every deer in that mountain, they know that location. Mm-hmm. And there is a ton of travel in there. So they're just kind of following trails and thinking around. And they start to work their way down to me. And it's getting closer to four. And all of a sudden, this old doe that lives in there, and she is a she's the bitch doe, excuse my language. Oh yeah. She's the one that is the only deer that's blown at me in there all year. And she did it to me one time and I told her she did it again. I might use my Washington tag on her. <laughs> anyway, so she works down, and this is no joke. She kind of did me a favor because I didn't want those bucks down right next to me i was just feeling i just felt like that big buck was going to come down and check this stuff out sure um and just before four o'clock she comes down and literally pushes them three bucks kind of off to the side and over above the scrapes and she is by herself i don't know what her purpose was she's walking around stomping her feet the wind is not blowing at her she never blows she just acting retarded and and I was thinking, don't you ruin this for me. Then all of a sudden she calms down and I see her whip her head and look up the hill and here comes another doe. And this is all happening fast between three 30 and four o'clock. Um, I've got my bow. I, I mean, I've been sitting there almost 10 hours. I purposely have my bow on my knee. Cause I just feel like it's going to happen. He's going to show. Mm-hmm. And bow's probably on my knee, holding it almost 30 minutes. It's almost four o'clock. And that second doe comes out and the crazy doe, halfway down the mountain probably 50 yards from me is staring up the hill at her like don't come down here i own this area and she starts walking at her and then i look behind that doe and i see i see a big body in the timber way up there now he's above you right 
Oh, way above me. Okay. Way up in elevate. Like you're literally looking up a mountain ridge. It's steep. Yeah. Very steep. Like it was all we could do because he ran up there and died. It was all we could do to hold him back in that sled from coming off that hill last night with a train wreck. Wow. I mean, it's steep. Anyway, he he pops out or I see him and I, I could I just thought, well, that's that's him. Too big of a body not to be anybody but him. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, soon as his head as soon as he dropped his head down and sniffs up, I saw his headgear. I'm like, all right, it's on. So I knock on and it all happened pretty fast. He come walking down towards me, probably 30 yards above the scrapes, angling right towards him, busts out the doe and the little three point buck that she was messing with the, the doe up higher around him. I don't even know where she went. He might've pushed her off to the side because when that big buck come walking down the mountain, they all just got the hell out of the way. Yep, he basically he, blazed a path through there like, hey, I'm coming. <laughs> he came down, he came down, honest, it was, it's funny, but there's two trails that come off that, and I call them the trails of death in my mind. That's what, I, that's what I've joked about in my mind about them. They are truly the trails of death. If, if a buck comes off that mountain with a southwest wind on one of those two trails, I'm going to probably kill it. And he picked one of the trails of death that I have dubbed in my head you're in trouble dude because you ain't gonna win me and you're gonna come right down by my tree that i need to shoot you at or where i can shoot you and there's this huge pine tree and it'll be on the white tail addictions video there's a great big limb that hangs off of it and i'm always able at this spot and i've killed this my third bucket tyson third buck how many have i killed in there Ty. Ty. have i killed three in there or four Okay, I said I should have killed five, but I killed four. <laughs> <laughs> Always keep me honest, Dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the football guy keeps me in check. All both of them do. So, so this isn't like my first rodeo in there. And Tyson's had a couple big bucks in there, too. But this buck came down, and I knew I'm just sitting there with my bow, and I knew I can't draw because it's open enough. And he, I'm 30 feet up in a tree, but he's straight across from me coming mm-hmm. down the hill. So he could look straight across into the tree and see me. I always wait when I kill these other bucks in there. The last buck I killed in there was a 162 um, a few years back. And you've, you've seen this picture. You've posted it before. Um, soon as he got, his eyes were in that big limb, a great big, huge pine limb. As soon as his eyes were covered up, I drew. And, it, and, I, and I don't stand up. I stay seated. I, I, if I would have stood up, I'd have blew all the deer out. Yeah. It was, it was deathly. I hate these nights, but it, the wind was Southwest, but it was a, a whisper wind, super quiet, hardly moving, but at least it was downhill. I draw, I sit down, I draw and my bow is just, uh, I got to give Jake Kramer, my buddy, big props. He's my bow guy. Mm-hmm. He has my bow so silent. It's unreal. And it has to be, or I'd have never killed this deer. Right. I draw that bow. I go to full draw. Absolutely zero noise. Not a tick, not a nothing. And it's cold. And you know how bows get when it's cold. They oh, make yeah. noise sometimes. Yep. So I get the, I go to full draw and then I'm like, dude's in trouble. And I'm thinking he's in, he is in trouble. And he comes down and then his antlers come out from underneath the big limb. And he's, the limb's like 20 feet up, but it's blocking his eyesight for me. Well, he comes down under the big limb, he clears it and he, pushes both deer, the doe and the buck. They both just go off to each side of him and he stops and he conveniently turns towards the little buck, I believe, and opens up to me and gives me some lungs. So 
having those other deer there was the greatest like diversion and he didn't realize it got him to stop turn and look at the young buck so he's at 35 i'm at full draw first thing that goes through my mind is hold full draw let him come closer or just kill him and then the next thing that goes through my mind and i'm real calm i mean it's it's on video i'm not shaking my bow is just deadly solid i'm right on him and my next thought is there's two does i'm not quite sure where they're at and this all processed quick is he gonna turn and walk and check a doe i'm not liking i'm not letting this deer walk out of my life today for a doe like i did a week ago right so i settle my two pin dead center which is my 30 but i knew the arrow and i feel like this i i I felt like he'd drop a little bit before the arrow gets there. They always do when you shoot far. So I settled the 30 pin dead center, maybe an inch high of center. And I just, it just all goes into automatic pilot, you know? Mm. And, and whack. And I mean, the video shows it. You can't, I can't see the arrow hitting, but the sound is just unreal. It's money. Yeah. Whack. And the way he reacts is the way they react when they're in bad trouble. Yeah, he was digging going uphill. He freaking looked like a cutting horse. That's wild. He was going uphill. And he, oh, these some bitches are straight uphill. Straight uphill. Yeah. These suckers are tougher than shit. He turned and ran straight uphill. I mean, the steepest part of the hill. Yeah. And after what, 50 yards, Jess? He's out of sight. Yeah, you can't see any further. You can't see after you 50. In, you just barely catch glimpses of them moving through the timber. And they all, all the deer bail. And I uh, felt really good about it. And I hung my bow up. Actually, I flipped my camera around, talked to, did a little bit of an interview and said, I just shot that big deer. That's all I said real quiet. And then I just hung my bow up and got real silent. It was I was listening the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, when I did that little interview might have been after this, forgive me if I'm not right, because it might have been a little after this, but I always listen super careful because I want to know where they go and where they fall. So it was dead silent in there. I just shot him and that bitch doe starts blowing up in the timber because she is a crackhead. (laughs) She's blowing and I want her to shut up because I'm just listening like with all my might. And then I, it might have been two to four minutes maybe five max you know how that time you don't really process how much time is going by but it seems like forever it seems like forever i hear this big rustle and i i 100 percent told my boys i heard something sound like a deer falling down and dying and i literally pointed up where it was at this all comes into play into the story later so then I get a hold of Jess, I get a hold of Ty, I get a hold of my wife, I text them all. I'm not saying nothing in the stand. I literally sit there till 4.30 and it gets dark. And right before dark, 4.30, it starts to get pretty dark in there. Um, I get out of the stand. I give it a good solid 25 minutes to a half hour because I don't want to push. You never know. I did not see the arrow hitting. I don't ever look at that. I don't know. I don't ever see my arrows hit on my... I just followed him with my camera and, and he watched him. I watched him, but I didn't see the arrow hitting. Mm-hmm. So, so I get down, I walk up there, full pass through, no blood. No blood on the arrow either? All that was on my arrow 
And this is where it's really interesting and very educational. And this is where it gets good. And I think the listeners will get a lot out of this. No blood on the arrow. I knew I had a full pass through. When I say no blood, not the kind of blood I want to see. Right. Yep. And then I smell the arrow. It's not guts. It smells different and it's brown. Brown. And I'm like, I've never smelled this before. And I've smelled a lot of arrows. I'm like, what the hell is this? Later, I find out from my buddy here that worked at a hide and fur shop forever. It was bile. Really? Now, now, now back up, back to where I'm at. And I'm there going, you got, I'm thinking in my mind, you got to be shitting me. I just literally torched this deer in my mind. And my arrow is, oh, there's gray hair. There's some white hair. Uh, These bucks kind of get brownish gray in the winter. And mostly dark hair, though. And... I think you you cannot screw this up on this deer, and you, I have no idea why my arrow looks like this. So, I talk to the boys. And there's snow everywhere. There's no there's no blood in this. Yeah, there's snow everywhere. No blood. No bright blood. That's now wild. I've had a lot of, but I've had a lot of deer in this country go 50 yards before they start pumping, bleeding. Um, believe it or not, I, you know, high angle shots, uh, shooting way high out of a tree. Maybe, you know, you know, you just don't know until you get to the deer and see right. the exit and entrance. Yep. So, so I did a 50 yard check of the two trails of death. Seriously. No blood. Got a whole, and Tyson's like, dad, get out of there, back out. Do not push that deer. It sounds like you got shot him or you hit somewhere weird. Right. I said, yeah, I said, yeah, I'm thinking intestines or something because it doesn't smell like guts. The exit doesn't smell like guts at all. Does not smell like guts. Guts smell like an outhouse. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I back out, get a hold of my other boy, Jess. Jess lives within an hour. I go, son, come to your place. He goes, dad, I'll help you with anything. I'll help you find that deer. I said, and Ty and I talked a bunch and we're like 10 hours. Give him 10 hours. It's going to snow at four in the morning. Remember I talked about that four in the morning snow. Yep. So we knew we had to get up at one o'clock. We made the plan, get up at one, be there at two. If we don't find him in two hours, the snow doesn't really matter anyway. Right. Yep. And we knew we didn't push him. So that's the plan. We come back. It's great. My, my son literally, after I got off the phone with him at four 30, went to bed so that he'd feel good. Cause he had to go to work. He was supposed to go to work today, but he took it off for his dad again. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Jess is being really responsible. Tyson's like, yeah, dad, don't go back in there. And of course I'm agreeing. Yeah. Stupid to go in there and push this buck and lose him to coyotes or something. So we get back home, get a hold of my buddy Jeff Bailey down in Oklahoma, who is a guide who's tracked more deer than anybody I know. And he goes, Troy, you nailed him. He watched, I sent him the video mm-hmm. of the kill shot. Jeff goes, You hit him and you hit him good. That arrow diverted and it came out bad. He said, I see it all the time. He goes, That deer will be within 100 yards, 250 if the coyotes haven't pushed him. And I'm like, I sure hope you're right, Jeb. I sure hope you're right. Wow. So Jeb says that we all say that's definitely a possibility. Hopefully, that Hopefully that's, happen. that's the best case scenario in the world that I hit him good arrow. And, and then when, when Jeb brought that up, I thought about it cause I've had arrows before with the kind of broadheads I shoot. If they hit a rib, you know, they're that shuttle, that shuttle shape, you know? Yep. And they're fixed. If they hit a rib, sometimes they'll bend around that rib. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? With that mm-hmm. fat tail end. Yep. So we're thinking that could be a possibility. We, we all, I mean, I, the minds all got together last night. We had really good, positive energy, and we're going to go find this deer. And Jeb really made me feel good because he's like, Troy, you'll find that deer tomorrow or tonight. 
And we knew we had to go back in in the middle of the night because the snow was coming at 4 a.m. We don't want the trail snowed on or we're screwed. Yeah, or you snow on the deer and probably not find him either. (laughs) You don't even see him, right. So 1 o'clock, we're up. We got the coffee ready. We're hauling ass. We're going over there. We go up in there. We all watched the video so many times. We were convinced he took a trail to the left off the video. Ended up not being the case. So we spent 45 minutes doing a big grid search out to the left. Nothing. Looking for anything. anything. You know, come across some blood in the fresh snow. We should have saw it. Yep. It isn't snowing yet. We come back to the main trail. My oldest son, Jess, actually said, Dad, we should be down here on this trail checking his blood first and finding him. And, you know, he he was probably right. But I have my way of doing things, and I thought if we if we walk out this way, he looked like he went on the video, at least I can cover the easy stuff first just by sight, and then I'm coming back to the original spot where we shot him. And we ended up doing that, and Jess was right. <laughs> Part of it, too, is we got over there to the left and down the draw a little bit, and the wind had switched, and I didn't realize the wind switched, but I – just for, a, I don't know, three or four seconds, I could smell them. Jess could smell the deer. Goodbye. Yeah. So I, it, it's cold out and everything. And so I just start breathing and watching my breath. And for the first time, it, it was coming downhill off, off the ridge for whatever reason it switched. Because then as soon as two minutes later, when I met Mac up with my dad, he's like, the wind's blowing uphill. I'm like, it wasn't two minutes ago. That was the only time I smelled him. He's, he's, we need to get back to where we started and just work out the other way. Yeah. Yep. And, and that was, and that was, I agreed a hundred percent. It's like, so I was like, yep, we're going back to the starting point and we're going back to where I heard him fall down where I think he did. I knew that area was going to be a spot. I was going to check for sure because I believed in my heart. I heard a deer go down. So I went out and tried to cover the shitty stuff first, if that makes any sense, you know, and it was hard to argue against what the video looked like. Right. Yep. So we get back to the other trail of death as we're walking over. And sure enough, guess what I walk up on in the trail once I got 25 yards higher than I backed out on? Blood. Big blood. Yep. Now, how far from impact was it when you started getting blood then? He went 50 plus yards before he even showed blood. And then it was big blood. Hmm. That's crazy. I know, running uphill, running up steep hill. Yeah. Every, think about where all this fluid is in his body. Yep. He's Low. not running downhill or on flat ground. He's right. running straight up a steep grade. And you got two holes in him. Two you freaking I mean? holes in him. And, now, I mean, we talked about the exit hole now. You, you know what happened. Perfect hit on the play side. Arrow diverts, comes out way back by his hip on the backside. Really? So that's what cleaned my arrow off and had bile on it. Yep, exactly. So it totally cleaned the blood off of the lung blood. And it had to have it had to have just filled up the exit and got plugged up because yep. as soon as he filled up to the to the entrance, that's where he started bleeding. He had to fill blood up high enough to blow out of his entrance hole. I hit him exactly halfway up his lung. Tell me this. Did you only get one lung in the process? I haven't gutted him yet. A boneless or uh gutless method i'm just caping him and yep. haven't gutted him yet but i'm gonna look yes so and the reason why i say that is because uh the first buck i shot this year my arrow didn't show it was a complete pass through and i'm like man it's just it, the same thing it didn't show what i wanted it to show you know and i thought i hit him low well i called rob miller he's 
one of the best trackers out there in the Midwest. And he said, and he's on millions of tracks. He's like, if you don't get blood within the first 30 yards, it's a one lung hit deer every time. Basically. He's like, if you don't, that's a good indication that it's a one lung. And I'm like, really, I've never heard that before, but I can tell you this year after hearing him say that, and I've been on four tracks ironically enough, their one lung hit deer, every one of them didn't bleed within the first 30 yards. Are you, are those on pass-throughs or non-pass-throughs? Pass-throughs. Yeah. Same here. So, so you picture it, you know, the anatomy, Yep. my arrow goes in again. We, I do the bone or the gutless method on these deer, Yep. but I'm going to dig into this just to look. And, and, and we, so, so it's, it's four, it's three 30 in the morning and it's 3.30 in the morning. Aaron. Are you still there? I kicked yeah. that, yep. that you're, call you're. off. It's 3.30 in the morning. I look down and see that blood. And I say, we got blood and we got him. I knew it. all I had to do is see that much blood in the trail. Ten seconds, five seconds later? Yeah. Five seconds later, Jess's best friend, who's like another son to me, Grayson Gregory, is up above us on the grid. Says, Troy, there he is. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's got to be a sign Jess- of relief. Guess where he was laying? Right where you heard that noise? Right where I heard him go down. Yep. Guess how close I was to him on the initial, be careful, don't push him, trek up in there. About 30 yards? 20 yards from his blood. Yeah. Jeez, dude. That's crazy. He he bled about 30 yards and was dead. That's wild. He did his his death run and got up in the top of his death run. He was 75 yards from where I shot him. Total. 85 at the most. He did his death run, bled the last 25 yards of it, yeah. and was dead. Carpet. Red carpet the last 20 yards. Man, isn't it? Isn't that a mind game, though? When you don't see your arrow that you want to see, and you're yeah. like, man, I know the sound. It sounded great. That's like the deer I killed this year. He meal kicked and almost went ass over tea kettle. And I'm right. like, I know. I mean, when they meal kick like that, that is money. Yeah. You know what That's I mean? Money. Yeah. And what come to find out, I hit, I took him right through the front shoulder and I was so high above him. He was only at 12 yards, took him right through the front shoulder, right through his heart, but it came out in his armpit on the other side. And I had white hair all over at impact. And I'm like, what the hell? And, and you're came, thinking, oh shit. Yep. He was 43 <laughs> yards and he died. He ran to his death. I mean, it was like right there, done 43 yards. Yep. This you know. deer, this deer is tough, one of the toughest deer on that mountain that he ran with straight adrenaline and he might've at the very best, made it 85, but we kind of figured about 75 from where I hit him. Hmm. Damn. That's awesome. And, and he was dead the whole time. Yeah. So, he was stiff as, a, stiff as a board. Been there, And I was so grateful, so grateful that the coyotes hadn't found him. Well, and put it this way, though, too. I mean, let's say you did just hit intestines and guts. I mean, that's that's 12 hours minimum that you don't want to go in there. Yeah, you know, and the only reason I went in at ten is because of the snow. It's to give me two hours to find it. Exa- I I would have done the same thing. You know? Yeah. Yep. No, that's awesome. And to have your son with you, and you know, and yep. do all that. That's that's freaking sweet, man. Congratulations. That's a toad too. Yeah, it's it's really cool. If just looking back already from one o'clock in the morning, five thirty yesterday, if I find that deer, my son and I don't go do any of that together. Exactly. It's always meant to be. Hell yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we got him. uh, He's out here. We're 
getting ready to cape him up. And I am going to dig into that gut cavity just to look. I'm pretty sure one lung and a big turn and out the, it's not really his flank, but it's back there away is where it popped out. Mm-hmm. And that's where I got all the bile. And it was interesting. I have my buddy that lives close to Jess who worked at a hide and fur shop for years. He goes, oh yeah, that's bile. That's not guts. Wow. So he goes, Troy, that's a dead deer. And Jeb Bailey, my buddy at Oklahoma, suspect outfitting, says, Troy, that's a dead deer. Yep. Well, Jeb, I, watched the, Jeb watched the footage and says, that is a dead deer all day. Well, you know, the good thing that I take from this as well is like, you know, memories are, are awesome. You know, you take that from there. But these these experiences that you just had, you just had, you know, a deflection or arrow divert or whatever it might be. You know, you go through those trials of like, man, my arrow just doesn't look good. Like, like what the hell is the smell? What's this brown stuff? You do your your homework, and that's something you learn. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you go through that again, I, you can you you know how to deal with it. So, just that that that's one of those cool things too. Is like this year, and I keep reverting back to my my arrow. My arrow showed white, tough, yeah. like fat. You know yeah. what I mean? And on the veins, yeah. I shoot white. I shoot three white veins, and it had a little bit of blood. A little bit. I'm not even talking a lot. I'm talking about a little bit of blood on the veins. And I'm like, fuck, did I did I hit this deer in the brisket or just like graze his belly? And no, I heart shot him. But his armpit took every bit of blood off that. You know, I don't know. Really weird. Sorry about that train wreck there. I just threw my phone on the ground. No, here, I didn't even hear you. <laughs> okay. You know, and you're exactly right in... Again, uh, all these years of whitetail hunting, never smelled bile before until last night. Now I know what it is. Yep, for sure. Yeah, you know, just cool. Just, and the best part, my son is really, he's, well, I know he doesn't like me talking big on him, but he's so good with a camera and like artistic that he made all my footage and B roll last night and today just awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, so it was great. Good times and, we got work to do. We'll get some footage of caping him and getting him ready. But uh, no, the meat's great. It's really cold here. Don't want any of your listeners to panic. This old boy is in perfect condition. Literally headed back out to finish him up. Good deal, man. Did you yep. put a tape on him yet? No, but he's big. <laughs> he's really big. I just want to describe him a little bit to everybody because he's got double split brows. He's got a bifurcation on the left. Like, what does he got here? He's uh, He's got... Over 10 inches of brow tine on both sides, counting the splits. Yeah. Um, he, he's a lopsided sucker. If I found him, you'd think you found a giant four by four <laughs> one side. Yeah. The other side has seven points on it. Uh, the seven point side's got to be in the close to the 80 inch mark or, or over 80. I'm thinking the four point side with the split brow is probably up pushing 70. Mm. His G3 so on that think, side's got to be over 10 inches. Yeah. Oh, it is. And, He's stupid long on the big seven point side. His tines are just so damn long. Mm-hmm. He's got great mass uh, for this country, for this genetic pool, about as good a mass as I ever get out there. If you were to pick up his left side shed, you're picking up an 80 plus inch shed, in my opinion, when I get yeah. the tape on. Yep, yeah, for sure. And I think his right side, 67 to 71, somewhere in there. Yeah. And I'm just sitting here looking at him out the window, and that's what I see. I'm usually pretty close. So I'm thinking he's a 60s buck for sure. Oh, he's only about 13, 14 inches wide inside. He's really tight. Might be 15 inside at the best. Yep. So he's heavy, tight, really long. Main beams are an inch apart on the ends. 
That's yeah. Cool. Long main beams. Oh, he might be the one of the coolest deer I've ever shot in my life and that's, hunted. Yeah, that's really cool. And if you pick the sheds up, if you pick the left side shed up, you'd think you'd be hunting a 190. Yeah, I know. And then you pick the right side up. You're like, the only thing that would tell me that it's the same deer is a split brows. You know the what I mean? It's like, yeah, oh, and, he's got... and the right side four point that he is, or I call him four by fours out here, be the best four point I ever killed. Mm-hmm. That right side. Yeah. With the split brow. I mean, he's tall. He's 10 inch, 11 inch tines. 24-inch main beams, uh, and the brow tines are 10 inches gross, both of them. That's awesome. What a yeah, toad, so he's, man. He's a toad, good ma- really good mass out on the – really good mass out on his main beams, which gives you a good score too. Do I care what he ends up scoring? No, he is a stud. Probably one of the coolest whitetails in my lifetime, by far, most unique deer, probably one of the most unique deer I've ever killed. Yeah. Yeah, in – you know, the reason why I asked for the score is just because people can visualize it then, you know, but I, I'd, I'd put him right there at that 60s mark. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's I, right there. I think, I think he's going to go 160s all day easy. And he's so long gross. If he had a wide spread, I'd put him over 170, but he's not wide enough. Um, He's going to go 60s all day. Yes, for sure. Yep. Yep. Good for you, man. And, uh, yep. That's awesome. Thanks for coming on and doing this in short notice. Thanks for getting a hold of me. I appreciate that. Um, what a story, I, I, dude. I, I thought of you last night. I thought Aaron told me if I shoot one of my big targets, <laughs> let him know. That's a good friend right there to call him and, just, and, and hold true to your word. <laughs> well, and Aaron, I let a really, really beautiful buck walk last week because, I mean, it was no tag for me or this deer. Yep. I was okay with all the ridicule. Yo, you're not consistent. You're not this or that. Guess what? I want to kill the best deer I'm hunting, not just a deer to be okay in social media world. Mm-hmm. And I really think guys need to not be pressured by that to have to kill a deer just to be cool on social media. Agreed, man. Well said. Well said. Well, and man, these ones are these these bucks are really fun to put in the in with the rest of them <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> these kind of deer oh man you sees i mean you're you're an unbelievable hunter uh, i'm glad i got to know you you know over the last year year and a half and thank you very much for doing this man i can't thank you enough and congratulations to you and your son for for going through this and making some awesome memories yeah, thank you. And I'm just trying to keep up with you guys in the Midwest that kill all these big deer all the time. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, not <laughs> me. I'm just a guy that gets to talk to them. There's more b- bigger deer killers than me out there. <laughs> hey, you talked about Canada a little bit before you leave. Yeah. I, as soon as I retire from my regular job, I'm going to try to go to Canada once a year. I love that country up there. Yep. Yeah. I've, we got to get to, we got to get together on that maybe someday. Yeah, I'm actually going. I'm hoping. I've, I'm booking it right now going next year to saskatchewan with my bow so um, dude, that's my dream hunt that's my dream hunt if i ever have to pay a guide because you have to in canada that's where i'd pay a guide yep yep. just so i can go do it it's it's crazy i it's a lot like you are that you kind of told me how you did yours not a lot of hilly country where i where i've went but uh it's all crown land you know state ground that's just huge huge state ground yep yeah, and that huge state ground has some unbelievable bucks up there. Yep, it does, man. It really does. The human population in Canada is nothing compared to the last size of, amount of land they have. Yep. Agreed. All right, brother. I hope you enjoyed this. We really, we really had a neat 
24 hours. Yep. I did enjoy it, man. Thank you very much. And like I said, I'm, this is going to go out. I'm going to, I'm going to turn this out quick so people can listen to it. And it's an awesome story. And thanks for sharing it on here, man. All right. Take care. And thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks, Troy. Thank you. All right. There you have it, Troy. Thank you very much for coming on, man. That is always appreciated. Thank you so much for sharing that story with me and all the listeners. And I, it just, it was an awesome story. Great buck, dude. Congratulations. So thank you everybody out there listening. Also go to iTunes or Spotify, leave that five-star rating or written review. Also go to helixbroadheads.com, latitudeoutdoors.com, exodusoutdoorgear.com, vectorcustomshop.com, or garmin.com to check out all the great products that I use and and support because they support me. So thank you guys very much. We'll be right here next time on the Fall Podcast. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.